apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of home ownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.any-mac.com, email him at csawyer at any-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338923, Any Mac Home Mortgage, equal housing lender, American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Any Mac Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML 338923, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender, and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC 338923, Rhode Island License Lender, License Number 20112810L. Call for additional details. Jones on the first down, wide open, it's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to him, he taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Fins, two for three, he's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not. They're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Welcome to Sports Talk with with R&J. Um, I'm Justin Nafier. Steve Rister will join me here in a second. I think he's dealing with some technical uh, difficulties at the moment. Um, but obviously, we'll start off here talking about Super Bowl 58 and the Kansas City Chiefs getting the, the, another comeback win in Super Bowl. Um, they went in OT 25 to 22. And, you know, about this game, kind of very slow starting off there in the first half. Niners were up 10 to 3. Um, but in the second half, the action really picked up um you know niners had some opportunities to win that football game a couple of times and just weren't able to capitalize off of it and you know they they made a couple of mistakes you know the special teams kind of hurt them they had a muff punt blocked extra point in that one and you know you can't give a team like kansas city chiefs extra drives extra possessions and they just kind of burnt you and you know they're the type of team that if you don't kind of kill early on in a game they're going to come back and beat you and that's exactly what they did um and their three Super Bowl wins now they've all come back from 10 points down so 
it, it's been a team that you know you got to kind of take advantage you know um when you get up on them you got to take advantage and continue to score and um san francisco just wasn't able to do that and on, on sunday night you know i thought brock Purdy, brock purdy he played well you know he didn't hurt them um the Kansas City did a really good job of of um, slowing down some of their big weapons. You know, Brandon Ayuk only had three catches on six targets. Um, you know, Samuel only had three catches on eleven targets, and um, you know, Kid only two catches or two catches, three targets for four yards. So, um, Steve's back here joining us, just kind of going gotcha. over the, of what happened here at Super Bowl Fifty Eight. So, so have you gone over like how the Niners have won it or lost it, or just you just just done a recap so far? Yeah, kind of just doing a little bit of a recap uh, of the game so far. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, oh. gotcha. Yeah, yeah so, um, about it. so uh, yeah, I'll let you finish. Yeah, I was just kind of just finishing up the, you know, the Niners just weren't, you know, the Niners just didn't kind of weren't able to capitalize their offense. I thought Purdy played well, you know, he didn't lose in the game, but, you know, I thought Kansas City's defense played a really good job in the second half. And, you know, the pressure the Niners had in the first half, um, they couldn't replicate it there in the second half after, uh, you know, after they got some pressure there in Mahomes in the first half, couldn't do it in the second half. And obviously the Greenlaw injury um, really hurt them inside too in the defense end for the Niners. So, you know, for the Niners, they had their opportunity. They just could not, could not finish it off. And, you know, they left the door open for the Chiefs and uh, they got burned again. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, uh, since you've done a really nice job recapping when I had technical difficulties, now we'll go to why each team won the game. And first, we will go to why the Chiefs uh, won this game. And for me, the re- uh, I-, I think the first reason why the Chiefs won this game is their defense held the Niners to 19 points. The- their defense held the Niners. They held them to 19 points in the game. So I think that that's the biggest reason. They held them to 19 points in regulation, and they held them to a field goal in overtime. And those two third and fours were so crucial. The third and four... Before the uh, before the before at the end of regulation at the end of regulation to hold them to a field goal because the Niners convert that third and four they they went they 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 win the game and then the third and four uh, to to start overtime so those third and fours were crucial for the for the Chiefs for that Chiefs defense and that's one of the big reasons why they won this won that game uh, the, uh, the the second reason why they won the game is uh, Kelsey was great in the second half Kelsey was great he was not good in the first half you saw him shoving Andy Reid you saw him having a very rough first half but he was great in the second half he was outstanding. In the second half of that game, and then, uh, and then, la- and then, lastly, Mahomes was Mahomes. Mahomes was phenomenal. He was five for seven on third down in the last three drives of the fourth quarter. He was absolutely phenomenal. He proved he's proved why he's been proving time in and time again why he is the best player in football and why he's clearly, clearly the best, the best, pl- the best quarterback in football. Why he's clearly the best player in football right now. He was outstanding at the end of that game. Justin, what are your reasons why the Chiefs won? Yeah, you know, talk about Mahomes there on the. You know, he was, yeah, wasn't great for the, you know, it was okay first three quarters, and then yeah, turned it on the fourth and OT, you know, um, you know, he turns it on when it matters. Um, but my theory on this one, my first one is they got pressure on Brock Purdy. It felt like every time Brock uh, dropped back in the pocket, there was three or four Kansas City Chiefs in his face immediately. And um, I think that kind of got him. He wasn't really able to look too much downfield. Um, and I think Kansas City did a really good job of not making, not letting him get comfortable back there. Uh, my second one was just adopt Kansas City's defensively did against Brandon Ayuk. You know, kind of mentioned the recap a little bit. You know, Ayuk only had three catches on six targets. Samuel only had three catches on on eleven targets. And the Kittle really was a not fact in this game. You know, he only had four total yards or four receiving yards. So, 
they, they really did a good job of kind of slowing those guys down and Kansas City off the field on third down. You know, the, the Niners were, were three for 12 in the game. And you mentioned the two late in the game, the one in regulation, the third and four, and then OT, the third, third and four as well. Um, you know, because the Niners score a touchdown there, it really put, you know, they, they, it, in the regulation, if the Niners scored a touchdown there, that could have put the game away. And the Niners just were not able to do with that. So Kansas City's defense really stepped up, played well. Uh, especially in the second half and, and getting off the field on third down was huge. Yeah, they, they they definitely did. They definitely did. Now we'll go to why the Niners uh the Niners lost this game. And uh I think the uh I I think the first reason was and this is stuff that not a lot of people are talking about is when they got that turnover, they got that interception from Mahomes, they had the ball on Kansas City's 44 yard line, they did nothing. They went three and out. And then they went three and out again after then they pinned Kansas City deep and then they go three and out again. They were not able to get any points on those two drives. And even worse, they did not give Christian McCaffrey one carry on those two drives. I think that was a big reason why the Niners lost is if they score, even get a field goal on one of those two drives, they had the momentum in the game. They lost momentum in the – I thought they lost momentum in that game because they didn't score on those two drives. Uh, number two, the defense the, the, uh, for, for them – uh, the, the, this is pretty obvious for the Niners. The special teams was awful. The muff punt, I know it wasn't the punt returner's fault, but the muff punt and the missed extra point were humongous in that game. Because say you kick that extra point, you're up 20 to 16. Mahomes has got to get a touchdown instead of a field goal. Yeah, they might still win, but that, that, that extra point and that muff punt were crucial for the Niners losing that game. And then number three, the defense didn't get it done in the end. Didn't, didn't get it done at the end. They had two chances to close out the game, and they didn't. So even though they played really well in that game, the defense did not get it done when it mattered. Yeah, defense, yeah. Now, they got tired at the end. You could see it. And, yeah, it, it, uh, defense played well most of the game, but they couldn't finish it. My three, I had the same one as your first one. You know, the Niners, that lead should have been bigger. You mentioned it. You know, when Mahomes threw the interception, um, they should have took advantage. They couldn't. Even the first half, you know, they had the fumble there in the first drive from McCaffrey and he never fumbles either. And, you know, they couldn't get points there. You know, the chiefs offense really wasn't doing much, you know, most of that first half. And um, I know they got the, you know, chief fumbled, you know, the first possession, second quarter when they were driving and they were able to get a field goal, but you know, the Niners that first half lead should have been bigger and they couldn't expand on it. And, you know, I kind of mentioned the recap, you let the Kansas city chiefs hang around like they did and you're going to get bit and, you know, Kansas city did what, they do, and they came back and won that game. And the second one was the same as yours, the special teams. You know, the special team mistakes, um, the block, the block DAT, yeah, you mentioned, you know, did your job mention that? Because that, that turns the game around, and that kind of puts the uh, – makes the Chiefs have to go for a touchdown instead of settling for a field goal there and that – and, you know, the Chiefs' next drive. And and then the muff hunt totally turned turned that game around there. So um, two tough special teams plays that went against the Niners. And that I thought Shanahan, too – kind of got away from the running game there in the second half. And you mentioned that right after the interception, those first six plays in the second half, yeah, they, they you know, on, on offense, they didn't run the football at all. You know, and I, I just felt like he got, got away from, you know, what they, what you know, because McCaffrey had some success on the ground and, and you know, they're kind of built to run the football and, and you know, they just didn't, you know, then he got away from it. And I thought that kind of, and that kind of hurt them. And I thought Shane kind of, Outcoach himself there, like he kind of has in some of these big spots. So that's kind of three reasons I thought Niners lost this game. Yeah, and, and, and getting to Shanahan. I mean, 
We're going to get to the other the other thing with Shanahan, which everybody's talking about. But I think the biggest mistake in this game for Kyle Shanahan, I don't, I don't think he had as bad of a game as he did in the Super Bowl against the Patriots or in that Super Bowl against the Chiefs. I think this is actually his best game in the Super Bowl. But I think the biggest mistake, not, not the mistake everyone's talking about, which we're going to get to, I think the biggest mistake Kyle Shanahan made in that game was not giving McCaffrey a carry on one of those two drives. Yes, he got a touch. He got a reception on one of them but not giving McCaffrey a carry on one of those two drives uh, to start the second half because that the, the, the game, because they had the momentum there and they could have, they could have, they could have put the 49ers away in the third quarter and they didn't. And that's, that's, I think what Shanahan's biggest mistake was in this game. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, and then what about even um their final drive too, when it's second and five, they had it, you know, at the chiefs 35, you you run the ball there and second down, make the Chiefs burn another timeout. You get there because you know Spags is gonna blitz you. So do you try to get third and you know, cause you don't want third and five when he's gonna bring pressure like they've been doing. So I even thought there you could have tried to run the football on second down to try to set up like a third and two, something like that, third and short. But yeah, I just felt like Channing got away from it again. And look, he's still a young coach and he, you know, you kind of put him in the same thing with Andy Reid and Philly. Like he was always, he kind of got there, but he couldn't get over the top. Now, obviously, he has what Shannon's still what, late 30s, early 40s. So, like, he's still got plenty of time. I still think he's a very good head coach. But, yeah, he's got to kind of still learn because, um, yeah, like to sit, you know, you mentioned the first six plays in the second half, just all throwing the ball. And that's not how the Niners are really built. And, uh, yeah, that, that really hurt them in this game. And yeah, it was kind of the mistake we've seen them kind of make. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate because, you know, they, they, Really had they really could have won that football game. Absolutely, and two things. Yeah, Shanahan. Yes, he very easily could learn from this stuff. He's still he's not a great coach, but he's a very good coach. But yes, he he definitely could learn from the, the from these losses, just like Andy Reid did. And Andy Reid became a three time champion. Uh, secondly, yes, I think he made a mistake in the second half, uh, putting the ball in Brock putting the game in Brock Purdy's hands. And Brock Purdy proved in this game that he is a good quarterback. But he should not be put in the same conversation. I'm not even going to say Mahomes because because he's far above everyone. He should not be put in the same conversation as Lamar, Burrow, or Josh Allen because he had he had two. He played well, but he could have done more. If he converts on one of those third and fours, the Niners probably win the game. So I think what I the, the, I think what we saw from Brock Purdy on Sunday is he is a good quarterback. He is not an elite or a top five quarterback or an MVP level quarterback. He is good. He's better than Jimmy Garoppolo, but he's not an he's not an MVP level quarterback. And I thought I thought we saw I thought that that really showed that that really showed up on Sunday. Yeah, because I was it the one of regulation, the one OT. It was one of the third and fours there that they didn't convert. And I think it was Juan Jennings. He had wide open the end zone. Like it was like two Chiefs I mean, the, guys. The pressure, think. yeah, the pressure of Chris Jones, and they blitzed on that play. And the pressure of Chris Jones was big, but also. These great quarterbacks, the Burrows, the Allens, the Lamars, and the Mahomes, when they're under pressure, they make that play. That and that's the difference. I mean, Purdy's good, but he's not those guys, and he proved that. I mean, you got to get you, you got you got when you when you get down the red zone, you got to get touchdowns. You got to get touchdowns. And, and listen, I'm not criticizing Brock Purdy. I thought he played he played a good game, but he could have done more. Yeah, absolutely, I think that's I think that's a great point. Yeah, he you know. Yeah, he was good. You know, he wasn't the reason they lost the football game. You know, like he, yeah, you know, you need him to play a little bit better in that spot. Um, and yeah, that big kind of miss. You had a guy wide open. It's a touchdown, and you know, changes that whole complexion of that football game. So 
yeah, you know, he's a good quarterback. Again, he fits what Shanahan wants to do, and he's kind of the perfect mold for that. And, yeah, you know, he's better than Garoppolo. He'll take more shots on field than Jimmy G did. Um, you know, we saw in that NFC Championship game, he can use his legs and kind of be able to beat you that way. So, yeah, you know, he's, again, for being the last pick of the draft, he's, he's you know, it, it's been it, it's been remarkable to kind of see him be the last pick of the draft, to see him kind of come in here, get to the Super Bowl. I know, obviously, they had a chance to win that game, but, you know, it, you know, a lot of people are very hard on him. I understand why, but he is the last pick of the draft. Like, you know, he's not a first-round pick, and I think, you know, I think we, you know, even me at times got to remember that. Like, he is the last pick of the draft. Like, the guy was not supposed to have the expectations that he does. No, no, and, and he's a good quarterback. For the last pick of the draft, he's he's completely exceeded his expectation. But what, what, I, what I get bothered by is when people say he's a top-five quarterback in the league because that's just untrue. He's 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 not a guy who could carry a team. He's not a guy who could who could carry a team. If Purdy has good guys around him, he's going to get a team to a Super Bowl. But he needs pieces around him to 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 win to win big games. But 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 yeah, I'll give him credit for what he did in the Detroit game, bringing them back to win that game. But as I've said earlier, he could have done. He played well, but he could have done more, especially in the fourth quarter and overtime of this game. So so uh, yes, but but still. The Niners do have their guy or the going they do have their quarterback going forward. But the big conversation after the Super Bowl was the Niners' decision to take the ball to start overtime. And, and the question is, did they make a mistake taking the ball to start overtime? And uh and, and, in, my, and in my opinion, I think they did because because yeah, you probably would want to want to have the ball second to know what you want to do, especially with these new rules, knowing that you're guaranteed to have a possession, you'd want to have the ball. But I don't think it's it's it, I, I I I'm not going to completely question what Shanahan did because I think his thought process was I don't want to put my defense right back on the field after they were just on the field so I, I don't completely question what Shanahan did there. What I question from Shanahan is players not knowing the rules. That is inexcusable. And Kyle Shanahan, I still say we said it. He's a very good head coach, but that is a reason. That is a clear example why you cannot call Kyle Shanahan a great coach because those players should know the rules. And, and and guys spoke up. Guys like Eric Armstead, guys like Kyle Juszczyk, those guys spoke up. You need to know the rules. That's inexcusable of, of, a, of, a, head, of a head coach, if you, especially for a team that you that, that, that you know is going to be in the playoffs. You know the Niners were going to be you, – you, Kyle Shannon should know his team is, is going to be a playoff team this year. He has got to explain those rules to his players. There was – Brock Purdy didn't even know the rules of overtime. And they're playing in the Super Bowl, so you got you got that bothered me more than she, even though I didn't agree with Shanahan taking the ball. What bothered me more was him the players not even knowing the rules. Yeah, for me at the time, you know, in the moment, I was kind of like, yeah, why is he taking the ball first? But then after the game, he's like, yeah, I didn't want to put my defense back out there, you know, because they're already tired. I'm like, okay, that does make some sense there, but yes. Like, then it's kind of like the, in college where, you know, like, you kind of want to know where, you know, what do you have to do on the, your on your drive after, you know, when you go second, you know, where do you, uh you know, what do you have to get here to kind of win it or continue the football game? And um that's where I thought he kind of made a mistake. But, you know, even if they score a touchdown, it sounds like the Chiefs are going to go for two anyway. So it wouldn't really have mattered if the Niners did go down, score a touchdown, and the Chiefs came back anyways. The, it would have gone down the two point conversion. Um, but yeah, the big one is not having his team prepared for it. Um, that's the second time this year. Cause uh, Deion Sanders college does not under, did not understand the OT rules down at college and got lucky one of the games, but uh, 
you know. Um, but yeah, like I not not having your team prepared for that moment is uh, yeah, that that's a big red flag because in that spot in that moment, you know, I know it, you know we haven't seen it the last couple of years, but yeah, you, you still got to have an understanding of of uh, and your players got to kind of know what's going on out there. And it sounded like the Chiefs did. It sounded like maybe the Chiefs even kind of you know used it in a practice or something. You know, like the Chiefs real you know knew it and. Yeah, while well, the Niners didn't, and it's definitely uh, it's definitely a concern there because you know the, you, you got to know the rules in that moment, especially in, in a game like the Super Bowl. Yeah, that was the di- that's the biggest difference. That's the big difference. The biggest difference in this game was the coach and quarterback were clearly better on the other side. The Niners had the better roster, but the coach and quarterback were clearly better with the Chiefs. Kyle, the combination of Kyle Shanahan and uh, and and Patrick Mahomes is superior, and I'm not saying. Brock Purdy and no, I mean the, the combination of Andy Reid and uh, Patrick Mahomes were superior to uh, Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan. But I'm not saying Shanahan and Purdy are bad. That just, it's just uh, that, that, that's pro- that's pro- you're going against the best coach quarterback combination in the league, and you know that team's going to be prepared. You know Kansas City's going to know what's going on. Andy Reid's a whole, one of the greatest coaches of all time, so you know you, that, that that team's going to be prepared for that situation. Kyle Shanahan, very good coach. He's got to get his head out of the playbook and start looking at situations and start looking at in-game situations because that's what's came back to hurt them. And, and I think this game actually the, 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 the least amount, but there were issues in this game and then not players, not knowing the overtime rules. You got the not running the ball against the Patriots, not running the ball against the chiefs in the first super bowl. These in-game situations have came back to crush Kyle Shanahan in these big games. He's probably the brightest offensive mind in football, but in-game situations have came back to hurt him. And that's why he's not a great coach. In my opinion, that's why he's not a top five coach in the league. Uh, I think he's a very good coach, but he's not a great coach. And th- this is this is direct evidence why. Yeah, absolutely. It absolutely is. Because, uh, yeah, you mentioned he, you know, they're play calling. They're, they, you know, he's very good um, in most spots. They're uh, a play calling and their offense is really, really good. It has been, in, you know, every time he just throws a quarterback in there, they seem like they, you know, you know, besides the little we've seen Lance, but you know, he, he does a really good job with the offenses and yeah. And it seems like a, with a lot of these coordinators, that's what we've kind of been seeing. Like Mike McDaniels, uh, Daniel Heichel last year at Denver, like some of these guys, you know, we've talked about it. Like they're great coordinators, but they have no idea how to manage a room. They have no idea how to be a leader. They have, and they have no idea and they struggle in the game situations and look, you know, I know at the college level, you could actually hire an assistant to literally just be in charge of game situations. I assume you could do that at the NFL level. That'd be a smart move for Kyle Shanahan to have somebody right next to him to manage the timeouts, to manage the clock, to kind of be in his ear a little bit and help him out. That would be perfect for him, but I don't know why some of these coaches don't want the help. I don't know if it's they feel like it's a knock-on. I, I, I don't know the reason, but you know that's something that he could easily do and help out you know, himself and his team, but he really wants that ring. Yeah, and listen, Andy Reid had issues with clock management. Remember the Super Bowl against the uh against the Patriots when they the Eagles took forever to score to, to, to score that one touchdown. And that game against the Chiefs in 2015 against the Patriots when the Chiefs took forever to score a touchdown. So Andy Reid's had issues with clock management too, but he's learned from them. I think Kyle Shanahan could learn from them, but until he does, he's still he's gonna have a lot of issues in these big games. Yeah, he absolutely is. Yeah, till he kind of learns it and 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 kind of figures it out. And you know, yeah, he still has plenty of time. And we, yeah, you know, you mentioned it. Reed, Reed figured it out. You know, um, but you know, with this team and the Niners organization, is usually very good. They usually have, you know, their front office is very good. They usually 
for the most part, put competitive teams on the field. So top GM in the I know league they, and John Lynch. I think one of the best no, GMs yeah. in football in John Lynch. I'd say right behind Howie Roseman. If he was, if he had if he got that ring, I would have put him as the best GM in football. I think he's the second best behind Howie Roseman. Yeah, absolutely. They've done a great job valuing talent. They've drafted they drafted beautifully the last couple of years. So, you know, I know with this talent, they're starting the window starting to close a little bit, but yeah, you know, he's got to be able to learn these situations. It's something where you hope another spot like this, he kind of learns from it. He kind of goes back and watches the film and kind of, you know, sees some things that he could do differently on the sidelines and the play calling wise and how to manage a football game. But yeah, you know, like these situations should make you better in the end. And, you know, we'll see if it does. And, you know, we'll see next time in a big spot next year if he can kind of get over the hump. But yeah, he's been super close and it's kind of been, uh, He's kind of hurt himself with the way he manages some of these games. Now, moving on to next year. The big question is, who has a better chance to win the Super Bowl next year? The Chiefs or the Niners? And I think it's actually a pretty easy question. I'm going to go with the Chiefs three-peat. I'm gonna, I know a three-peat's never been done, but they got they got the clearly the best player in the league. Uh, we'll see what happens with Chris Jones and free agency, but I think I think it's, I, I know the Niners have better odds because of their roster. But I, and I know Chris Jones is a free agent, but I'm I think it's an easy question. I'm saying the Chiefs because they've done it. They've done it three times in the last five years. So I'm def I'm def I'm definitely saying the Chiefs have a better chance to win the Super Bowl than the Niners. And let me tell you something about the Niners. I wouldn't be surprised if this 49er team doesn't make the Super Bowl next year. I don't think they will. I think it's going to be Green Bay or Detroit right now who's going to make it out of the NFC. I don't think the Niners come out of it at the out of the NFC because there's only been one team, one team in the last 30 years. That has made the Super Bowl after they have lost. That made that, that that made the Super Bowl after they had lost the Super Bowl, and that was the 2018 Patriots. It's a lot easier to get back to the Super Bowl after you win the Super Bowl than lose the Super Bowl. That Super Bowl hangover, that's real. You saw it with the Philadelphia Eagles this year. You saw the Eagles collapse. The Super Bowl hangover, I felt like, had something to do with that. You you saw you saw the Bengals. Uh, you saw the Bengals get off to a slow start two years ago. You saw even the Kansas City Chiefs, one of their worst starts in their franchise's history. Was the year no since Mahomes has been there was uh was that year that year after they lost the Super Bowl so I think that Super Bowl hangover is real we remember back when the Niners lost the Super Bowl in 2019 they didn't make the playoffs the next year they I know they had a bunch of injuries it was a COVID year but they went six and ten so I'm telling you I would not be surprised at all if I don't see San Francisco if we don't see San Francisco win this game because this is a brutal brutal loss to recover from yeah especially the way they lost and you know second time now yeah that they've Blown a 10-point lead the last four years against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, it's a brutal loss. I wouldn't be shocked either if they miss out. Um, and I'm with you. I think it's Kansas City. Because for me, too, I haven't seen Josh Allen in the big moment do it. I haven't seen um, Lamar Jackson. I don't, you know, two we saw this year kind of showed them a big spot. Like, and the, I don't, the, the only team, the only team you have confidence against the Chiefs is the Bengals. If Joe Burrow's healthy, that's the team you have confidence in. But the issue with the Bengals is – I don't have confidence in the head coach. I don't think the head coach yeah. is great. So that's the issue there. So I would not be surprised at all, at all, if we see the Chiefs not only get back to the Super Bowl, but three-peat. Yeah, me neither. Um, and Mahomes already talked about it. They they want a three-peat. Like, I, that, that's a team, and it's like the Patriots. Like, that's a team that's wired on winning. Like, that's a team that just, they just want to win. You know, like, they, they, they're just field to win football games, and – they kind of got that same persona that Patriots do. And yeah, I wouldn't be shocked because that, that team is, uh, that team wants to win. And, you know, I'm interested with the Chargers do this offseason because I think Har- Harbaugh is going to be great. And I, I think the Chargers could be. Oh, yeah. that, that's, a playoff, that's a playoff team. That's absolutely a play. I don't care what their salary cap situation is, 
with Justin Herbert, that's at least – it might not be a Super Bowl. I said they were a Super Bowl contender last week. They may not be a Super Bowl contender, but that's definitely a playoff team in my opinion. Oh, yeah, that's a team that's going to contend with them, I think, in the AFC West next year. And I, I think, you know, Harbaugh is going to do some really good things there. But yeah, you know, we'll see what they what happens with the cap issues there and what they can do this offseason. But, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think this Chiefs team is just, uh, you know, especially that defense, too. I know because, you know, what Spags has done with that defense has been phenomenal from what he inherited what, three, four years ago. That defense couldn't stop anything. And to see where they're at now is unbelievable. And uh, with that defense, too, um, yeah, you know, and they're gonna rework. It sounds like Mahomes' deal as well, so that will open up some cash base for him as well. So, yeah, I, I think the Chiefs with that defense is only gonna get better um, if they get Chris Jones back. So, I, I'm with you. I think the Chiefs, yeah, three peat is, is a real possibility there. Yes, yes, it, it definitely is. I'm glad you brought up the defense because that's where Spags gotta get credit, but Brett Veachum should get some credit because the draft picks of Nick Bolton in 2021 in the second round. The draft, the two first round picks. Remember, they had that extra first round pick when they traded Tyreek Hill. Those two first, those two, those two ones to get uh, George Corbett and Trent McDuffie. Those were those were really good pickups. They built a top five defense there, and the defense was more the reason. <laughs> the crazy thing to say, they were more the reason why the Chiefs went eleven and six in the offense. Was the offense struggled this year? There was not. I mean, I'm saying they were terrible, but they weren't as good as they want as they, as they bet. But that defense was a top five unit this this this, this, this year. And they proved it at the end of the Buffalo game, during the Baltimore game, allowing the Ravens to only score 10 points, and in the 49er game, only allowing 19 points in regulation. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, that defense is on a deal. You know, that, that defense, I don't think anybody thought that was going to be a top five defense in the league this year. And, and yeah, you know, they, they were huge a lot of the year. And, you know, where the Chiefs were, you know, really struggling, where they, they had times they could not get out of their offense, could have scored more than 20 points. And, and their defense would keep them a lot of games or – you know, get them a big stop and kind of contain the, contain the, you know, the other, other teams offense enough. And yeah, that defense has only got better. Um, yeah. What they've done, you know, McDuffie, then Snead on the other side of them. Um, that, yeah, that defense, you know, been phenomenal all year. They've done a really, they, they did a really good job getting pressure on Purdy. They did a really good job of kind of slowing down, you know, the George Kittles of the world who was not existing, you know, Debo Samuel and, and Brandon Ayuk, like they did a really good job on those three guys and, yeah, that, that defense was unbelievable this year. And, you know, it should only get better. It's going to make Kansas City even tougher because, uh, you know, you would think, uh, you know, they're going to revamp that offense a little bit to get, you know, like a, another big play threat there for like a number one for uh, Mahomes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And now speaking of Mahomes, the, before we wrap up, we got to talk about where he ranks all time. We got to talk about where he ranks all time right now. And I think he's second. I, he's second behind him. He's on, he's on the trajectory to, to catch, I feel like, to catch Brady. But I think right now he's second. I think he's ahead of Montana, and, and here's the reason why: Montana, yes, he won four, yes, he won four Super Bowls, but I think he, but I think he had, uh, I'm, I'm th- but he had, but he only, he had, he had as many, as many Super Bowl MVPs as Patrick Mahomes with three. And how many times did Montana come back from double digits down to Super Bowl? Zero. The biggest comeback Montana made was that last drive against the against the Bengals when they were down by three. So. But, 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 but now you look at Patrick Mahomes. He's he's a three-time Super Bowl champion, a two-time league MVP, and all three Super Bowl wins. This is this is amazing. This is an amazing stat. All three Super Bowl wins, his team was down by 10 points. And two of those were in the second half against the Eagles in the first time against the Chiefs. And this time they in this game they were down 10-0 and they were trailing. And he and he had to, he had he had to uh drive them down the field twice. To, to, 
to, uh, to, to, to keep to keep their chance alive, and he did it. So for me, he's second behind Tom Brady. He he this this game, this win surpassed uh, this win. He surpassed Montana in my opinion. Yeah, I'm with you. I think you got it. Yeah, he's number two there. Um, yeah, you know that was a great stat. Yeah, being down all three wins, being down by ten points in the Super Bowl, and you know. He's the guy that kind of feels like he likes to live dangerously, like in, in those types of spots, just to, you know, make it more interesting, fall behind and try to come back. And he usually does it. So, um, yeah, he's just the type of guy that when, you know, when the when he's when he's getting the ball, like I, I knew when the when the Niners sell for a field goal there, the last session of uh, regulation, you knew the Chiefs were at least going to get a field goal or they're going to win the game of touchdown. You, you know, when he's got the ball last, you know, you know, he's like a great you know he's like a jordan or brady know, even brady was really good at it what brady too yeah brady was good you know or you know like a mariano like a closer in baseball like you just know he's gonna go get the game you know he's gonna go win that football game or you know whatever sport so yeah he's just he's he's done an unbelievable job um in late game spots and driving this team down to go get a win um uh, but he's just so accurate and he's gonna make every play he's got it so i'm with you he he, he moves up to number two all the time He's, he's got to. He's got to. I mean, we were watching greatness right now. We watched greatness with Tom Brady, and now we're watching greatness with Patrick Mahomes. But imagine Brady didn't beat him in those two games, those two playoff games. Yes. It could it could, it could, it could, be 5-5. Five and five. It could be 5-5. Five and five. Yes. He could have caught up to Brady already, but Brady did beat him in those two games. And that's why, I, even though um, I, I think Mahomes has a, good, has a chance to catch Brady, it's still going to be tough because that argument with Brady, you know, he's got, he's got the two wins over Mahomes and – Brady left a team and won with someone else. So I still think it's going to be, it's going to be hard to catch Brady, but Mahomes is definitely on that trajectory. He is just an absolutely phenomenal quarterback, but we are at the NBA all-star break. So we are going to do kind of our first half recap of, of uh, what we've seen so far in the NBA season. But before we do that, we're going to hear from our friends at JPEG Financial and Shamrock Home Inspections. Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? How often are you thinking about it? The team at JPEG Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies in the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident in your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website and give us a call at 860-430-5397. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. JPEX Financial Group, LLC is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. JPEX Financial Group is located at 78 Eastern Boulevard, Glastonbury, Connecticut. There's no bigger investment than home ownership. And to make sure the house is up to your standards, you need a professional to look it over. Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections is a licensed home inspector and a member of the Connecticut Association of Home Inspectors. Brian was a contractor for over 15 years, so he knows how homes should be constructed and how mechanicals should work. 
What makes me a good home inspector was the 20 years that I was a home improvement person doing all the different repairs that I have done and what other people have done wrong that I had to go out and fix. So I have a pretty quick eye on seeing what's right and what's wrong. Before you move, call Shamrock Home Inspections. Before you make the biggest investment of your life, call Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections at 860-268-2566 or visit shamrockhomeinspectionct.com. All righty, so we are at the all. So we are getting close. We're getting close to the All Star break in the NBA season, so we're kind of going to do kind of our first half recap of the season. But we're, but we're going to start with the Knicks and what the Knicks did at the trade deadline. And they they went out and they were they they, they I think they won the trade deadline getting Boron Bagdanovich. I think that was a, that was a good move for them. Uh, they got Alex Burks too. So let me tell you, when everyone's healthy, you're going to have you're going to have Brunson, you're going to have Bagdanovich, you're going to have Randall, you're going to have OG, and you're going to have uh, Mitchell Robinson. That is a really good starting five. The big question for the Knicks though is. Are they the second best team in the East behind the Celtics? I still got to say no. I still got. I still got to go with. Uh, I still got to go with Milwaukee there. But I think they're top three. I really do. I think they're top three because I don't trust Cleveland. I don't. Tr- I know they're a good defensive team. I know Donovan Mitchell's good. But have you seen Donovan Mitchell in the playoffs the last three times? Lost to the to a Clippers team where when Kawhi missed half the series. Lost to a Mavs team when Luka missed half the series. And last year the Knicks beat him in five. So I think the Knicks are definitely better than the Cavs. I think there's, there's there's two teams right now that are better. I think it's the it's the Celtics and it's the Bucks, and I think it's the Knicks. I think the way they're playing defense, the way Brunson is playing, I know they've lost. I know they're, they're one of those games under protest. I know they've lost. They've lost. I think they've lost four in a row right now. But once they get everyone healthy, I think they are a top three team in the East, but not the second best team. Yeah, I want to put them second, but I do. I just can't because of Giannis is, is still with the Bucks, even though I, I don't like Doc and I. The Bucks defense is no. They got they gave up 125 last night. It, you know, looking at the, the uh, Nuggets the other night, and they only gave up 84 to a horrible Hornets team. But um, if the Knicks are healthy, I wouldn't be shocked in, in April if they knock off Milwaukee. Because yeah, their defense is really good. I like Donovich coming off the bench because yeah, he's he's a shooter. Um, I know you guys had Alex Burks a couple years ago. He's somebody that can knock down some shots for you too. So if you're healthy with Brunson, because Brunson's a star, you know he, he's. You know, he, he's a star, and I know maybe he doesn't get recognized for it, which is, you know, crazy because he does play in New York, And I, I, but I do know the Knicks aren't the Lakers or the Celtics, but he, he's a star, and I, I think he could put, you know, I think he could really, you know, I, I think he could, I think they got a shot to beat the Milwaukee, um, you know, and Ginobili, you know, He's been he's been a great addition there with his defense, and you know he doesn't really need the ball like Barrett did. So yeah, I think the Knicks definitely won the trade deadline. Um, I think they got a really really good team. I just put them third behind the Bucks. I'm with you too. I don't really believe in the Cavs yet. I do have to see it. I did see it a little bit from the Knicks last year, and I trust them more than than Cleveland. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, th- I think right now, I think I think uh, you would say now if Philly gets MB back, they're better than the Knicks. They're th- they're third. So, but it doesn't look like they're going to get him back. So I would say, uh, I would say if you're ranking all the, all the playoff teams in the Eastern conference, I will we'll, we'll forget, forget, forget about the, the playing teams. We'll probably just do the top six. I'm going, obviously, Celtics. I'm, I'm actually going to, this is, this is, this is, this is going to be a surprising one. I'm going to go Bucks one, Celtics two, Knicks three. I know the Celtics are going to have home court against the Bucks, but, uh, uh but I'm taking, I'm, I'm going to take the, uh, I'm going to take this, the, the Bucks over the Celtics, uh, because of the star power of the Bucks. uh, Four, four. I probably would go with 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 the Cavs. Uh, probably, uh, uh, probably five. I'd say the Heat. 
And then six, I would say the uh, the Pacers. Those would be my top six teams going into the playoffs. But we know Butler's out for the Heat, but the Heat are, the Heat are another team that is, are dangerous. But you don't know what's going to happen with Jimmy. We don't know what's going to happen with Jimmy Butler right now. So that's my top six. Yeah, for me, I'd go Celtics one, Bucks two, Knicks three, um, four Cavs, five. If Embiid comes back, I'd put the Sixers at five. If not, I'd probably go Heat, Pacers to round it out. So I'd just kind of flip-flop there, the one and two spot with you. And I get why with the Celtics. It's, I'll, I'll I'll get to them because, I, you know, spoiler, I do have them in the finals, and I'll kind of say what my worry is with them. But, yeah, you know, I, I think the Knicks, you know, are, are right there, and I would not be shocked if, you know, they didn't get the three. They play the Bucks as, a, you know, the Bucks are sitting there at the two seed. I wouldn't be shocked the Knicks beat them in a in a seven game series. I I really wouldn't. I again because I think two of those teams always get better. You know, in the second half, I feel like too. Like they always they always get better, and they're not the team too to kind of load management either. They, they're playing every day, so you know, which I think yeah, you know, which um I think is good. So I I like Tibbs, and I I think he'd outcoach uh, Doc in a seven game series as well. Yeah, that, that would be yeah. I think Tibbs would definitely outcoach Doc. My problem is though. If you're drafting a team, you're taking the Bucks' top two players before you take Jalen Brunson. You're taking Giannis and Lillard before you take Jalen Brunson, and that means something in the NBA. That's why I would take still take the Bucks over the Knicks. But we got to move on to the other conference, and uh, the question in the West was how surprising is it that the Warriors did nothing at the trade deadline? I'm not totally surprised. I know they're hot right now, but uh, but, but I'm not I'm not totally surprised. I'm not surprised that they, they that they didn't sell off parts because. They still have Steph Curry, and they might have that. And then there is that small – and there is there – you always have a chance when you have Steph Curry. And also, I'm not totally surprised they added because you look at the way they – I know they've won five in a row. I know Kaminga's played really well. But when Jonathan Kaminga is your second-best player, are you really a championship contender? So they're kind of in the middle there where they're not really a championship contender, but they're not a, a, they're not a terrible team because of Steph Curry. So I'm not totally surprised the Warriors didn't do anything at the trade deadline. Yeah, I'm not either. Um... I know they. I read this this morning. They did check in with LeBron with the Lakers to see. I I don't think that went anywhere, but they did kind of check in on that. But um, yeah, I, I wasn't totally surprised either. I think you know at this point with how much they've won, they're probably just riding it out. I know they were, you know, talks maybe you're trying to trade Thompson, but I don't think a team would have been crazy enough to trade him and trade for him. And I don't think the Warriors really would have given him up for everything he's done for that franchise. So. Um, you know, I, I think the Warriors, it's probably one last go around for this group here and they probably wanted to ride out, see what happens. You know, you're up a game and half there for the final playing spot there. And, you know, right now you're playing the Lakers. It wouldn't be shocked. They could get out of the playing round and, and get us, you know, then you get a team like the Timberwolves or Thunder, which I know Timberwolves got in last year, the playoff team, but those are two kind of inexperienced playoff teams. They were able to pick off Sacramento last year. That was another team that was inexperienced. So the Thunder, uh, yeah, Thunder Timberwolves are up there at the one-two spot. Warriors sneak in, you know, with their experience, it wouldn't be totally shocking to see them upset upset one of those two. Yeah. Oh no, no, not at all, not at all, not at all. I mean, yeah, they have they have the experience uh, to do that. But now, getting two surprising teams, you just talked about the Thunder and the uh, Timberwolves. We'll get. To, well, first, we'll start with our most surprising teams right now at the All Star break, and for me. Uh, my, my, my in the Western Conference, definitely Minnesota. Who would have thought after the scuffle they had on the bench last year uh, <laughs> at the end of the season that the Minnesota Timberwolves 
would be the number ones that would be the would be the top seed in the in the uh, in the Western Conference. Chris Finch has done a great job. Anthony Edwards on both ends is proving why he's an elite player. He's done a great job. I mean, they've been outstanding defensively. That's the biggest thing is how good they've been defensively. Now, it's, it's what scares me about this team is their lack of scoring outside of Cats and Edwards. That's what scares me about this team. But it is so surprising that this team is the top team in the uh, in, in the Western Conference. We were talking in the offseason how they should try uh, how, how the Gobert trade was absolutely terrible and how how the, how that was gonna you know it was gonna really hurt this franchise. They're the number one seed in the Western Conference. Chris Finch has done a great job with that team. In the Eastern Conference, for me, my most surprising team is the Orlando Magic. The fact that the Magic are you know only a, game, a half game behind uh, only a half game out of getting the number six seed, seeing what they've been like the last you know three four years is very surprising. Paolo Bencaro is proving that he's a franchise player. Uh, Franz Wagner has played really, really well as well. Jamal Mosley's done a good job there. So, yeah, my my two most my two surprising teams, you got the Timberwolves in the West, and I got the Magic in the East. And for me, um, I went second place team in the West. I went with OKC. I, I thought they'd be good, but I didn't think they'd be a two seed. Um, they kind of feel like the Kings of last year, like – Thought they were gonna be good and be a playoff team, but didn't think they'd be sitting right there for buying for one of the top spots in in in, in the conference. And you know they have you know uh, SGA is playing like a is playing like an MVP candidate. You know Chet Holgram's having a really nice um you know kind of rookie year here. He's been healthy and he's really made a presence down low. Um, they're really solid on the defensive end of the floor. Um, and then I I do like that they traded for Gordon Hayward because they don't have too many veteran guys that have been in the playoffs and I, I do like him that he has somebody who's played a lot of playoff basketball and can kind of be somebody um you know in that locker room to kind of help him out um you know in a seven game series. So I, I do like that addition. I know he's hurt at the moment. And then then I do agree with you with your East Coast your your Eastern Conference team in Orlando. Um I thought they'd be a year away from kind of really being the playoff conversation. But yeah they they've been really good. Um Paul Bencaro you mentioned it's been good. Braz Wagner's been really good and you know, they're just, they're, you know, they don't have a ton of offensive firepower outside of those two, um, but they're really good in the defensive on the floor. It kind of keeps them in games. They got up to a really fast start, you know, November. I know they kind of cooled off, but they're still, yeah, they're still right there. Um, they only half game back there of, of second place or of sixth place and saying, you know, and again, you know, not having to play in a player playing game. So um, really good job what they've done down there in Orlando. Cause yeah, that's been kind of a mess there for the last couple of years. Oh, absolutely. Paolo Bencaro's changed things there. And I'm going to stay in the uh in in the in in uh the same division for the Southeast Division for the uh for the for the most disappointing team in the Eastern Conference. That's the Atlanta Hawks. I just, you know, with DeJounte Murray and Trey Young, this team should be better than 24 and 30. They they with Quinn Snyder as their head coach. I felt like this team I wouldn't say this team was going to be, you know, on you know the Bucks or the Celtics level or even the Sixers or even as good as the Knicks or six and as good as the Knicks, but I thought this team would be better than 24 and 30. This wouldn't be a playoff team in the West. Uh, I think this uh, this team defensively is absolutely terrible. So to me, they're definitely my most disappointing team in the East. And in the West, I know this team has played better of late, but I'm going to go with the Lakers. I mean, you thought getting to the conference finals last year, the Lakers wouldn't be in ninth place in the Western Conference. I know they're playing better. I know I know there's been issues with Darvin Ham during the season. I know they're playing better, starting to find their groove. D'Angelo Russell playing better. But right now, for them to be the number nine seed in the Western Conference, that's really disappointing, especially when you have players like LeBron and AD. I know they're playing better, but I think right now where they are is disappointing. 
Yeah, I have kind of the same too as, as you. I have the Hawks. Yeah, I thought Quinn Snyder, this team was going to be better, and they were going to kind of figure this out. And it's not – the roster was not put together properly. Um, the, the structure is just not great. And, yeah, you know, it's unfortunate. Young and Murray just I don't think could play together in the backcourt, and it really hasn't worked. And, yeah, I thought Quinn Snyder was going to do a pretty good job here and was going to kind of be able to fix it. But, yeah, like they – you know, and then, yeah, their defense too. Like they – you know. They're one of the high scoring teams in the league, but they can't stop anybody defensively. And, you know, th- that's a big issue. And so I- I'm very disappointed that the Hawks are now they're, they're, you know, not even, uh, you know, they're barely, they're in the 10th spot right now in the Eastern continent for the play in, which is disappointing. And then, yeah, the Lakers as well. Um, You know, they look good kind of around November, December, they were, you know, or right during the playing tournament, I kind of thought, okay, this was going to be, what they needed, but after that, they they haven't been great. I know they are playing a bit better right now, but yeah, LeBron and AD, um, you know, with those two, they just you know Russell starting to play better. Austin Reeves kind of come back down to earth a little bit this year. Um, they don't have a ton. I know they did a lot last year trade deadline, but this year they were very quiet. They st- they stood pat, and um, I don't know what it was a couple weeks ago. LeBron was during their losing streak was uh you know. Brian could come in right now and, and, and start for us. So uh, I know LeBron was not too happy with the way things are going. But, yeah, I was very disappointed that it seems sitting, uh, you know, this this team should be better than ninth place in the West right now. Oh, absolutely. They, 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 after going to the conference finals last year and some of the moves they made that helped that team last year, they they, they definitely should, uh, should, should be better than uh, – than 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 the uh, ninth seed in the Western Conference that that that, that definitely should have that definitely uh, should be the case. But we are going to move on to Rookie of the Year, and it's really between Wemby and uh and uh and Chad Holmgren. And I'm going to give it to Wemby because you know he's I know the team's not good, but he's averaging a double double, twenty and ten. Uh, his assists and three point shooting need to get better if he wants to be a top player in this league. But Holmgren's had a really good year. I think he's averaged like 16, 17 a game. But he's the third best player on that team. Wemby is the be- already the best player on the Spurs. So I would give it to Victor Wemby. I know it was an obvious Victor Wemby Yama before the season started, but I would give it to Vic. Still give it to Victor Wemby Yama. Yeah, I have him too. Yeah, the team's very disappointing. Um, there's not a lot of talent. They're still kind of building that thing up. Um, but yeah, I, I do have Wemby Yama. He's been the best player definitely on that team, and. You know, the guy had 10 blocks the other night, which is, you know, impressive. You don't see that too often. So, um, you know, he's been he's been good. Yeah, obviously, you want three-point shooting, get better. Um, you know, and I think that will come with time. And, you know, the assist stuff, I think, is going to come as well for him. But because there's just not enough talent around him right now to kind of help him out in that. Yeah, Chet, Chet's having it, you know, Chet's having an unbelievable year. You know, coming off the foot injury, he's played in pretty much every game or close to it. You know, he's done a unbelievable job but yeah he's kind of third best player on that team but he's definitely made a difference um but yeah i'd still give it to uh women yama um for rookie of the year now the mvp right now now that Embiid is out it looked like Embiid was the front runner again but now that Embiid is out i think it goes to Jokic again i think he wins his third mvp enough in, in four years best player on one of the best teams and clearly the best player in the game i'm giving it to nicole Jokic. yeah same here um yeah he's close to averaging a uh, triple double and you know, no uh, championship hangover for him and his team. And the guys only missed two games this year. Um, he's the best player in the sport. And it's, you know, again, when it's that obvious, I, I know people get fatigued with it, but you still just got to give it to him. Uh, he's been remarkable yet again this year. He's just a special talent at the center spot. And yeah, Jokic deserves to uh, win the MVP again. All righty. Our NBA finals pick right now. 
I'm going to stick to what it was before the season. I know they fired their coach, but I'm going to go with the Milwaukee Bucks against the Denver Nuggets and the net and the Nuggets repeating too. I got the Nuggets repeating, beating the Bucks. But the reason the reason I got the Bucks in the finals and the reason I got them over the Celtics is again, if you're drafting a team, two of the top three players are Lillard and Giannis. And 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 in the NBA, especially just to get to the NBA Finals, you don't need to have a great coach. David Black got to the NBA Finals with LeBron James. So and, and a lot of people get on Doc Rivers. He won a championship with the Celtics. You don't need to have a great. It's not it's not the NFL where you need to have a really good coach to win a championship. You don't need to have an outstanding coach to win an NBA championship. You could have a coach just come in and win a title. You saw Ty Lue with the Cavs come in that 2016, 2016 season and win a title. So uh, my prediction is the Nuggets over the Bucks in the NBA Finals. I get the Celtics over the Los Angeles Clippers, a team that I never thought I'd be picking. But um, the Clippers, look, Kawhi, Paul George, they've played in pretty much every game this year. You know, they're – Playing back to back for the most part, they're they've been healthy, and I think, and they've really started to play well. And I kind of laughed at them when they got Harding, and I didn't think this was gonna work. But the guy's shooting over forty percent. He stayed on the floor. He hasn't seemed like he's been a problem. And this team's starting to play well. And I think for the, for them, they're already four games up now in the Pacific, where in the Pacific Division, where maybe March, April, you know, you clinch that thing, you kind of. You start maybe give a couple of those guys a day off here and there and, and get them off their feet and make sure they're healthy. But with those, if they can stay healthy, I, I think the Clippers could be a tough out. And then I have the Celtics. They've been so good at home. I do worry with them that they really only have six, seven guys that they go, go to. And I totally, with the game on the line, and it, you know, I don't know if I trust Brown or Tatum to go get me a bucket, but I do think I just don't trust the Bucks right now. And I do think that this could be the year for Tatum and Brown to kind of get over the top. Um, I do, you know, they've been awesome at home and I think that it's been tough to go in there and win and, you know, they're 25 and three. So right now I do think the Celtics find a way to, um, to win the title, but um, you know, I, I just think Tatum, I'll take Tatum this year to finally get over the hump and maybe, you know, become that guy you know he's always talked about being like that Kobe Bryant I know you know maybe this is the final of the year for him that that he kind of is able to deliver in that yeah and here's the thing about uh, Tatum with me is is I just don't trust him in a big series I don't trust Jason Tatum being your best player I think Jason Tatum's a top 10 player in the league great performance last year against the uh Sixers in game seven but I just don't trust him in a huge series. We saw him at turn. We saw him against the uh, the end of the series against the Warriors. We saw them at the him at the start of the series against the Heat. I just don't trust Tatum in a big series. That's why I I'm going to take the Bucks in the East and in the West. The Clippers to me are the second best team. The way James Harden has grown up, the way he's just been a grown up there, you know, doing his job, letting Kawhi and Paul George be the guys there. And if Kawhi stays healthy, I think they're they're I think they go to the Eastern. If if, they, if it lines if it winds up if they if they if it lines up. That the Clippers and Nuggets go that that they won't see each other until the to the West Finals. I think those two teams play in the Western Conference Finals, and and I think that because I think the Suns are a little bit too top heavy. I like the Suns, but they're too top heavy. Minnesota, I, I, I my issue with them is experience and lack of scoring, and then the, and then the Thunder, it's, it's 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 lack of experience, and the Lakers, I just don't, I, I'm just not, I'm just not. I, I think I know they play better, but I'm still not buying them this year. So. Yeah, I think if if I think the Clippers are the second best team, I built those teams. The Celtics and Clippers, I think, are the two second best teams in their conferences. I just think when you have Giannis, you have Jokic, those guys are going to carry you to the finals. I think I think we're getting a Giannis Jokic final. 
I don't think too many people would be opposed to that. I could totally see that. Yet the Nuggets getting back there, Jokic has been unbelievable. Um, you know, I know, uh, you know, Jamal Murray yet again is having a really nice year. Um, you know, it's tough to go up there in Denver and knock them off. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked because, yeah, they got the best player in the sport and the thing break out. And, you know, there's still only two back in first place, so they could easily get home court advantage. And then, yeah, with the Bucks again, yeah, Giannis is awesome. Damian Lillard's, um, Again, guys, been a great scoring threat. You know, Beverly kind of helps out their defense. Patrick Beverly, they got from the Sixers. That that kind of helps them on the defensive end of the floor. Um, I just, I, I don't know. I've just seen Doc kind of blow some of these things. I just, I don't trust him. But I get it with the Celtics too. Like, yeah, you know, the Celtics have blown their opportunities before. Um, but I, I think it kind of feels like it could be setting up the Celtics way. And I know the Bucks are starting to kind of figure some things out after they got off to such a slow start there. Uh, when Doc Rivers took over, but I just don't trust that team right now to make a big stop late in a game right now in like a in a seventh game. Um, because it's just it's still not great. And you know, can Doc turn that around? Maybe, but I just I don't I don't know. I I gotta see it from them first. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But we'll wrap up talking about a top five matchup in Hartford on Saturday as Marquette heads to Hartford to face UConn, a rematch of the Big East semifinals, which Marquette won last year, but UConn won the national championship and Marquette lost in the second round. But uh, Justin, what does UConn have to do to stay number one and get revenge from what happened in the Big East semis last year? Um, For them, you got to kind of keep Tyler Kulik in check, and they got a guy in Stefan Castle that could do that. Um, Kulik's really starting to kind of come in the groove the last couple weeks here after – Kind of got enough to a rough start in Big East play. Couldn't find a shot, um, but as of late, last night he scored 27. And, you know, he's going to get to the bucket. And then the other thing is, too, defensively for them is Marquette's going to, you know, they're going to throw a lot of um, screens at you. They're going to try to get a matchup for Kolek that, you know, that they want um, off, of, off of the switch. So usually you can, um, you know, so we'll see. You know, I assume you can probably going to maybe switch at some of the spots off the finger roll, but I, I think it's tough if Marquette gets an option that they like on Kolek. Um, the other one is the, um, you're on the glass. This It's a team that you're bigger than. You know, Klingon's got to stay out of foul trouble. Um, you know, like they got, UConn's got the bigger guards that could get out and rebound. Because that's kind of how they beat Marquette the last couple, like last time, last year they played in Hartford. That was a massacre. They got up 25 to 4, whatever it was. Like they, they destroyed them last year. Um, you know, they, they're able to get it. They, you know, they're able to get on the glass. Um, you know, Iguodaro, America's big guy, you know, he's having a really nice year, but that's kind of, you know, Joplin's they're four and he only averaged like three rounds a game, you know, so Marquette's got like four options. So offensively, really, and Ben Gold's a nice stretch five off the bench, but he's very hit or miss that. That could be interesting. If, if, uh, clean is on them, they could pull clean away from the hoop there. You know, and I think we'll probably maybe see Hurley go a little small and play Carabin at the five, I think, in this game as well. Um, but yeah, Castle on, on Kolek, it's it's defensively for them. They they really gotta play well. And then I guess finally it's as well as kind of defend home court. They're 13 and 0 this year at home. They've shot the ball better, it feels like. I don't have the numbers back at all, but it feels like this year they've really shot the ball better at XL than they have at Gamble, which is usually the opposite way around. Um, but they've played really well this year at Excel Center in Hartford. And, you know, I do think UConn's the better team than Marquette. Um, 
But look, you know, two of the longest winning streaks in the country. UConn's at 12. Marquette's now at eight. UConn can make it 13 tonight. So um, big one. And again, UConn wins and they're up three games, uh, you know, for the regular season title. They will make it 13 tonight because they're playing DePaul, one of the worst teams in college yeah. basketball. And uh, yeah, so, so yeah. And if they win this game, they're going to get the number one seed. They win this game, they're getting, they're getting the one seed uh, at the Big East tournament. And I, I think the biggest key to this game is, is containing their big man, Igudoro. If they contain Igudoro, because in three of the five Marquette losses, and their losses to Wisconsin, and their loss to Providence, their loss to Butler, uh, what's, this, what's the guy's name? The big guy's Oh, she, uh, Igudaro. If Igudaro has under, they were, he was held under 15 points in all those games. And also another thing is, is they were held to under 30% from three point range. So to me, it's containing Igudaro and containing the three point shot. If UConn does those two things, I think they, they're victorious. And I think they will do those two things. That's why I think they win it. I think they win it. I'm about, I think by seven, eight points, I'm saying like, you know, like a 76 to 68 win. I think UConn wins this game. I think they remain number one. I think they, 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 uh, Going to Creighton next Tuesday night is the number one team in the nation. Yeah, I'm with you. I do think they get the win Saturday at home. Um, you know, I, um, so I, I think they go. I think they do get get this W. Um, yeah, you know, Garden the three is gonna be huge. Joplin and Kolek are both over forty percent. Cam Jones is thirty seven percent. He's not bad. Um, you know, so they got some decent shooters. But yeah, like Marquette wants to get the bucket, and you can slow them down. They, you got a great chance. And yeah, you know, I. I and I think for this team, um, you know, Jordan Hawkins a couple of weeks ago was at the game and um, my fan was able to go in the locker room that day. And they, you know, he was talking and he kind of said, you know, the one thing we didn't get last year was a Big East title. Um, and he said, you know, go get that thing this year. You know, that's that's what we want. So I think for this team is really they, they want to capture the regular season. I think they want the tournament one as well. So I think at home, um, yeah, it's a top five matchup. I don't know the last time. They've had a top five matchup at home. I remember, I, you know, I'm trying to think the last time they've had a top 10 matchup at home. I know 11, they played Nova, Martha King, Martha Luther King Day, Kemba hit a buzzer at Gamble. I was at that one. I'm trying to, that, you know, the last one that comes off the top of my head that there was a top 10 matchup at home. So um, I do think they protect that at home. And I do think UConn, are, UConn and Purdue are just above everybody else in college basketball right now. And I think at home, UConn gets this thing done, and they do knock them off um, by six at home. Yeah, I, th- I think. Yeah, I think they win. I think UConn wins, and as I said, they'll go into. I think they go into Creighton uh, next on Tuesday night as the number one team in the country, winning fourteen in a row. That's that's pretty amazing. But uh, that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with RJ for Justin Alfredo. I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week talking about that UConn, that big uh, UConn Creighton game. We'll be recapping. That uh, we'll be recapping that big UConn Creighton game on uh, that that that's on Tuesday night. So that that could very easily be the lead of the show. So we'll be recapping that game and then 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 uh, talking about any NBA, NFL, or MLB news that comes our way. So have a great weekend. Have a great weekend, everyone, and enjoy the UConn game. Jones on first down, wide open. It's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is is availability. Saquon Barkley. He's great when he's on the field, but the problem is, since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this. They lob it to him. He taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter I think, right now is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Finn's two for three. He's done his part. 
pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the poles, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not. They're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the race, and the race do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. My name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Meat, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com. 